You know, I think with the exception of maybe April 15th, the most dreaded day of the year is probably January 2nd, isn't it? Um, you know, it seems to me from about the fourth Thursday of November all the way through New Year's Day, we stuff ourselves with turkey and dressing. We eat homemade uh, cakes and cookies and fresh bread and pumpkin pie. And, uh, you know, we go from party to party. We spend money hand over fist. We are nicer, it seems, during that time of the year, except when we're out shopping, maybe. Uh, and then these wonderful delicacies appear somewhere on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, like cooked cabbage, smoked salmon, caviar, and eggnog. That is, if your taste buds are still young enough to hack some of that stuff. And what do we have for it? January 2nd. When I was a kid, I hated New Year's Day because I knew the next day I had to go back to school. But here it is, January 2020. And not only is it a new year, but it's a new decade. It used to be years ago, you go to the movies and they talk about 2020 and 2030 and 2040 as being, you know, light years away. And it was almost science fiction. And here we are. And you know what? None of us know what the next few days, the next few months, it goes so quick, is going to dish out. We don't know what is going to happen, and we don't know what's going to transpire, and because of that, it can be worrisome to us. It can create some anxiety, and it can be really threatening. And I guarantee you, after all, wherever people are involved, there's not going to be any rest. There's not going to be any lasting security. You know what? You cannot count on the world being a better place to live here in 2020. You cannot count on there being world peace. We've already seen that in the last couple of days. You cannot continue to count on the economy and the stock market. You can't even count on the politicians, regardless of who's elected. You can't count on your loved ones being there with you next Christmas. None of us can. And, you know, uh, we have to say that at the end of the day that one of the marks of emotional uh, maturity is when you begin to realize that the world is out of control. When you begin to realize that you don't have your hand on the steering wheel and you know instead you begin to focus on the things that you can control. You realize you're not God and that you cannot control everything that's going to happen and that's what we call emotional maturity. And while there are many things that you can count on uh, in the new year of not being able to be controlled, there is one thing that you can count on that will never change, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am so grateful for that. I don't know where I would be today without my faith in God and God's presence in my life. There's a, there's a Bible verse that kind of leaped out to me here over the holiday season that uh, a, a, a verse in the Bible in the Old Testament a book in the Bible that I frankly don't turn to that often, but when I do, I find great nuggets and, and great inspiration as the Lord speaks to me, and I happen to be talking about First Chronicles. And I was reading some out of First Chronicles, and this one verse leaped out to me. Now here we're at the end of this book of the Bible. It's in the 29th chapter, 
And King David here is offering this wonderful prayer to God. He's giving really a heartfelt prayer of thanksgiving. And he's at the end of this book sharing this prayer. And we find at the end of his life. And just before he acknowledges Solomon as king, he delivers these words. And here is the verse that really spoke to me as Bonnie has shared. But I want to give it to you from the living version of the Bible, the, the living Bible. For it says, everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord. We adore you as being in control of everything. Now, the Bible here calls this God's sovereignty, and that means he's the absolute authority in life. He's the ultimate ruler. He's the one in charge. He's the one in control. And the Bible teaches this, that he created all things. He created this world. He created you and me and everything in it, and God is in control of history. And in fact, the biblical world is that, uh, is that we are moving toward a climatic event. Life is not circular. Even though history at times seems to repeat itself, we know that it's linear. History is moving toward that focal point. One day when Jesus is going to come back, one day when we're going to face judgment, one day where we're going to be held accountable for our actions. And we know that this is history, as I like to say, or his story. And we're not going through some just random acts of events that happen to us here and there, but there's a grand design. There's a plan. There's a purpose. God has a strategy in mind, and we're in the hands of God. Now, you may not recognize it, but if you really stop and think about it, there's so many things that are out of our control. You can't control the stock market. You can't control the weather. You can't control uh, when you're going to be born or where you're going to be born or what parents you're going to have or what siblings you're going to have. You can't choose your nationality, your basic makeup. You can't choose the talents that you're going to be gifted with or any of your abilities. You can't choose the, uh, the giftedness or your interest or your personality. You didn't choose those things. And you say, well, I thought we had free will. Well, we do. In fact, that's one of the greatest gifts that God gave to us is free will. But the thing of it is, it's limited. It's kind of like we decide to go on a cruise, let's say to Hawaii. I'm trying to think warm thoughts. And you're going on a cruise to Hawaii, and of course, you can go up on the top deck if you want to and swim. Or you can sunbathe, or you can go down below and watch a movie in the movie theater. Or you can go to any number of restaurants if you want Mexican that night, or if you want Chinese, or whatever it might be, or you can choose instead to stay in your room and get room service, or if you want, you can stay up late and go to the deck and play shuffleboard. You can do anything you want to, it seems, on the trip to Hawaii, but it's going to get there regardless. It's still going to reach its destination. And in life, you see, you have freedom to make choices, and you're free to choose, but you're not free from the consequences of your choices but we're in the hands of God and I know for a believer that is comforting news in a world that seems to be spiraling out of control and as we face another 365 days not knowing what is going to happen it is really comforting to know that we're in the the grip of God's hand now as we approach the Lord's table here uh, this morning I want to remind you about some things here from this verse and the sovereignty of God that really ought to give you some strength and and really ought to help guide your thinking here as we begin to embark here on this year. 
The one thing is, is that with God in control, you know what? Your plans really have a limit because God really has a plan that we ought to be seeking, his will we ought to be following. People say the sky is the limit, but you know that's really not true. Uh, God puts a limit on things, and he sets the limits. For example, the book of Proverbs chapter 19 addressing this in verse 21, it says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but is the Lord's purpose that ultimately prevails. And wouldn't you agree that things don't always go as planned? Wouldn't you agree that you, you get everything ready to go on your trip and then suddenly something happens you can't go? Or you get ready for a picnic or a family reunion and, and something happens, it's a washout. And it's terrible or the food doesn't come. I mean, wouldn't you agree that God often sometimes has a different plan in mind? We make our plans, but God has the last word. How many of you did not marry the the first person that you thought you were going to marry. I, I mean, I knew who I was going to marry in second grade, even though she didn't know. <laughs> but God had a different idea. Uh, you know, one of the plans I had growing up as a kid was I wanted to be a rock star. <laughs> and another plan was to be a doctor, but none of that kind of worked out. God had a different plan, and we make our plans, but our plans have a limit and how much we should seek the will of God for our lives. And the more mature you become as a believer, the more flexible you become, the more you become in the hands of God to be used of God. Another thing we ought to keep in mind is not only to realize that God has a plan for our life, but another thing is to realize that, you know, problems can have a purpose. Problems have real purpose, and that's good news. You know, life is not just one series of accidents after another. It's not just one random event after another. But life has meaning. And I'm not saying that everything that happens to us is God's will. That's important to note. I mean, that's not true. God's will is not always done on earth, as you know. And that's why we're going to pray here in just a few minutes. Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not everybody wants to get on board and follow the will of God. God didn't put sank Paul in prison, but he allowed him to go to prison. And you might say that out of that dungeon, that small room that he was chained to, he was inspired and wrote and gave us most of the New Testament. I dare say he wouldn't have given that to us if he hadn't been confined for a couple of years in a prison like that. He was so busy. He was so active. What an activist, always planning a church. God could have kept Jesus off the cross, but he didn't. You see, God loves to turn crucifixions into resurrections. God loves to turn hurt into healing, to bring good out of bad, triumph out of tragedy, something better out of something evil, and that's what God does. God is a God of recovery, a God of recovery of turning things around. And because God says that my problems have a purpose, then you can relax and you can know that God's got this. Those wonderful words of 1 Peter 1 says, at present you may be temporarily harassed with all kinds of trials, and this is no accident. It happens to prove your faith, which is infinitely more valuable than gold. And then one last thing I want to say to you, I want to remind you today that your prayers do make a difference. Your prayer life matters. You can get in touch with God. 
it's not just a waste of time. I know there was a point early on as a young Christian, I got down on my knees, I started to pray to God, and I thought, my prayers don't seem to be going anywhere. I felt like I'm abandoned. I thought my prayers aren't going above the ceiling. This is a waste of time. No one's hearing this. But the more I grew, the more I learned, prayers began to be answered, and I discovered that God was hearing my prayers. And that's the great truth. Prayer does work because God's in control. And if God was not in control, our, of course our prayers would be a waste of time. But because God is in control and God is sovereign, your prayers do matter. A couple of years ago, I was reading some biographies of some great people in our Christian history. And one person I happened across was this wonderful, well-noted missionary by the name of J. Hudson Taylor. And he had this incredible spiritual awakening when he was a teenager. He was born to British Christians, uh, parents, and uh, they loved him, and he sensed the call to ministry, and he sensed the specific call to China. And he went there serving in an incredible way, leading people to Christ, just planning churches, ministering to the people. And he wrote in his autobiography there about prayer. He talked about prayer. And he said, you know, when I was first a Christian, I used to ask God to help me. That was the essence of my prayer life. God help me. And then I grew and I studied and I matured. And then he said, I started asking God if I might help him. And he grew some more, and he studied, and he matured, and he said, finally, I ended up asking God to do his work through me. And that's what I want to encourage you, invite you to do in this coming year, invite you to join in a time of prayer, seeking God's plan, following God's will, and being in fervent prayer with our Lord. As we come to this time here, as we um, approach the Lord's table, I want to invite you to participate in this covenant renewal. This has some historic uh, history, uh, kind of uh, some historic um, um, roots for us as we contemplate uh, back from the 1700s, uh, John Wesley um, in inviting his congregations to participate in renewing, rededicating their life to the Lord. And so, would you uh, join me here in this prayer? God, searcher of all of our hearts, you have formed us as a people and claimed us for your own. And as we come to acknowledge your sovereignty and grace and to enter into a new covenant with you, Reveal any reluctance or falsehood within us. Let your spirit impress your truth on your innermost being and receive us in mercy for the sake of our mediator, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Let us continue in a time of thanksgiving and prayer. And as I share uh, just words of thanksgiving and praise into the Lord, your response here each time is noted in uh, 
our program today. We praise your holy name, O God. And so let us give thanks for all of God's mercies. O God, our covenant friend who have been gracious to us through all the years of our lives, we thank you for your loving care, which has filled our days and brought us to this time and place. And you have given us life and reason and set us in a world filled with your glory. And you have comforted us with family and friends and ministered to us through the hands of our sisters and brothers. We praise your holy name, O God. You have filled our hearts with a hunger after you and have given us your peace. And you have redeemed us and called us to a high calling in Jesus Christ. And you have given us a place in the fellowship of your spirit and the witness of your church. We praise your holy name, O God. And you have been our light in darkness and a rock of strength in adversity and temptation. And you have been the very spirit of joys in our, in our joys and the all-sufficient reward in all of our labors. We praise your holy name, O God. And you remembered us when we forgot you. You followed us even when we tried to flee from you, and you met us with forgiveness when we returned to you for all your patience and overflowing grace. We praise your holy name, O God. And I extend this invitation today to commit yourself to Christ as his servant, to give yourself to him, to Jesus Christ, that you may belong to him. Christ has many services to be done, and we know some are easier than others. Some are honorable, but others are more challenging and more difficult. We know some are suitable to our inclinations and interests, and others are contrary to both. And in some we may please Christ, and in others just please ourselves. But then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. And Christ will be the Savior of none but his servants. He is the source of all salvation to those who obey. And Christ will have no servants except by consent. And Christ will not accept anything except full consent to all that he requires. Christ will be all in all, or he will be nothing. You'll find that wonderful prayer that we turn to, especially this time of the year, in our hymnal number 607. And let's join together in this covenant prayer in the Wesleyan tradition. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thy wilt. Rank me with whom thy wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee, or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee, or brought low by thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. 